Welcome to Healthcare IT Today. I'm John Lin, together with my colleague and friend, Colin Hung. The world of technology and healthcare are ever-changing in new and novel ways, and that's why we love this stuff. So join us as we discuss the latest healthcare and health IT news meshed together in new ways which help generate ideas and new perspectives. Plus, we'll have a little fun along the way. Today, we're going to be discussing topics that we will still be talking about 10 years from now in healthcare. Uh, except AI, of course, because AI is going to own us or, yeah, anyway, check out last episode <laughs> and be sure to follow the show on social media at the hashtag HITSM and our personal accounts at TechGuy and at Colin underscore Hung. Plus, check out our 17 years of health IT blog content at healthcareittoday.com. So, Colin, 10 years from now, are we going to still be sitting across the Zoom from each other recording these these episodes i think we'll be virtual holograms at that point or something right uh you know i don't, I don't uh, think anyone wants to see that of me no probably <laughs> especially not, yeah. 10 or, years from now <laughs> that's that's probably true i mean other than the fact that you know maybe we're all john connor or something you know from terminator oh to... so we could our hologram could be our perfect self not there, our current self <laughs> either that or either we will be still be doing this or we'll have some robot overlords that we're not aware of yet but uh but no, I mean, full intention. I plan to to still be doing this 10 years from now. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, it's hard for me to imagine, will a podcast, will podcasts survive yes. 10 years from now? Like, that's the bigger question to me than are we going to be sitting here talking about healthcare technology, which I think we're going to be friends 10 years from now, and we're going to be talking about healthcare technology 10 years from now. I'm just not so sure a podcast is going to be the format, but hey, you know, survive. You know, I didn't think I'd be blogging 17 years later either. So <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, so yeah, so this is gonna be kind of fun. Like, so so basically, John, you and I each picked two topics amongst all the dozens that we could have possibly picked uh, that we believe are gonna still be, you know, points of discussion, still be hot topics 10 years from now in healthcare. So, so what's yours? What's your number one topic? Yeah. So, uh, you know, obviously there's so many to choose from. And I think that the irony here is that like 10 years from now, if we're sitting across from each other at a conference and we're still talking about this, that's what, that's what I think we're, you know, that's what I'm trying to identify, right. like what's not going to change. And for me, the number one that came to my head is 10 years from now, we're going to be sitting at a conference and we're going to hear CIOs talk about security <laughs> and how security is a problem, how it keeps them up at night and how, you know, it's gotten worse and the AI has driven all sorts of things crazy, which makes it even harder. And the people are the biggest point of vulnerability and like all of these security co topics that we've been talking about the last decade, 10 years from now, I think we're still going to be talking about them. I can't disagree with you. I think the frequency of the ferocity or verocity of the attacks, uh, it's just going to increase. I, I think also our defenses are going to get better too. I think, you know, people are going to be investing uh, and, you know, we're starting to see some of the signs now where there is some investment, uh, more investment being made in, in cybersecurity infrastructure and talent and process. Uh, but I think we're always going to be behind the eight ball and, and I don't, I don't blame healthcare for that. I think just in general, we're always going to be behind what the, what the nefarious actors are, are able and wanting to do. So, but I agree. I think 10 years from now, we're still going to be talking about it. It'll be some new form of attack, some new vector, uh, but it'll still be something definitely that'll keep CIOs up at night. 
Yeah. Well, and you and you're right. It's going to happen across every industry. I don't think this is unique to healthcare, but you know, the argument people have made is that the data in healthcare is more valuable and that's why we get hit more and in many times healthcare hasn't invested in the security and so, you know, that's a that's a beautiful combination for someone who wants to attack you. Uh you haven't invested in the right security and you have valuable data like, you know, that's that's the gold mine for hackers and and people who want to exploit you. And I think you're right, though. Uh, we will see improvements in technology that will help things and that will improve things. I mean, we we saw this actually happen when you look at stuff like firewalls. Mm, you know, right. b- b- now we don't talk about that anymore because it's just kind of a matter of fact thing. Of course, they're not going to attack you there. They're going to find some other vector of attack that's easier because you put up the moat you know you put the moat in you put the wall up so high so they can't get into the castle that way so they go find another way which is they dress up like one of your serfs and then go through the gate right and that, <laughs> that's kind of what happens in security right the, the it flows to whatever the the weakest uh, part is and so you're right we will have technology that will help us understand phishing better right that will help us understand the exploits that come through email so that we can identify risks quicker and be able to do those types of things but it's still you know we we can't keep up with hackers you know as they always say in security and another thing we're going to be saying 10 years from now they only have to be right once we have to be right all the time <laughs> no I, I think you're i think you're absolutely right and you know it will be interesting you know 10 years from now when we look back will we look back and say hey there was a golden age of cybersecurity investment when the government mm. finally came around with meaningful use too right or sorry cybersecurity <laughs> use right? cybersecurity use uh, <laughs> right? yeah, exactly. they could use 36 billion there's a lot of people asking for it <laughs> yeah but but you know maybe it's not 36 billion but maybe it was a, a you know some money you know that that spurred action and adoption uh, and uh, and change frankly in the approach to cybersecurity because i think what's what people are waking up to is you know healthcare yes it is valuable data yes it is not very well protected but also it can cripple uh, countries right it can cripple uh, mm. entire uh, regions if you don't have uh, access to those records and the systems work, right? So I think hardening those systems is becoming a national security issue for a lot of countries. And, you know, hospitals, frankly, do need some help there, right? Or could use some help there to really beef up those those defenses. So, and and again, I don't, I don't mean to pick on healthcare. I think utilities is the same thing. So I think, you know, the governments may start to make money available for a bunch of industries that it deems as critical, to, you know, to make the investments in these tools and technologies that will be coming uh, that, that, that'll that defend them. See, and, uh, you know, I, I try not to predict government, but I, I, I would say I, I don't see money coming for it. Uh, you know, the government surprises me on occasion. So I don't see cash coming, but what I do see coming, and we're already starting to see this with some of the 405D stuff. I did a great interview with uh, Sensinet and Intermountain Healthcare, uh, you know, about the efforts, you know, Eric Decker's leading some of the 405D efforts, uh, and, and, you know, and what's interesting about those efforts, and I think we're going to see a lot more of this, where if you comply with some sort of framework, whatever that framework is, you know, whether it's 405D, whether it's a NIST framework, whether it's something else, if you're doing that, then if you get breached, you're not going to be held responsible. You're not going to have the penalties, you know, because you essentially made a good faith effort. So I think that's going to drive a lot of the behavior where avoiding the liability of a breach because it's going to happen. If you made these good faith efforts, these best practice efforts, I think 
think that's going to drive the behavior more than and more likely and more likely to happen versus an incentive. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think, uh, you know, you know, whether it's NIST or some other uh, framework, if you adopt that, maybe you are going to be uh, not held liable, right? Or, or, or maybe uh, some protection. Uh, yeah, I think those are, those are definitely going to be things that we may be talking about 10 years from now. And it's uh, a powerful incentive, right? It is. And, and actually, that leads me to my top topic. It's a nice segue. Uh, the one thing I believe that we're going to still be talking about 10 years from now is actually regulations, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> I don't think that's going to go anywhere. And 10 years from now, I'm, I'm willing to bet everything that we're still going to be you know, complaining about and lobbying for or against regulations in healthcare. Um, that's we certainly can't argue with that. Like, uh, you know, if anyone could predict that healthcare is going to become less regulated, uh, you know, I want to take their bet, right? <laughs> so the interesting <laughs> thing, though, is will the regulations move forward or are we going to still be talking about, you know, promoting interoperability, information blocking? Like, are those going to still be the topics 10 years from now? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the my my gut answer is, we probably still be talking about some of those things, maybe not to the degree we are now or to, because of the need and maybe hopefully it was less, but, but I still think we're going to be talking about a lot of things around security and information sharing. And just because there's just so many more parts of the healthcare industry, every year it expands a little further, right? Now we have health data being generated by at-home apps, by fitness trackers, by what about them, right? We haven't even touched those in the regulations yet. Uh, and and whether or not that information had has to be shared, uh, you know. So I think they're, they're just you know the ever expanding umbrella of what is considered health and healthcare is just going to keep expanding the umbrella of re regulations that we're going to need. Yeah, I mean, if ten years from now we are still talking about you know, medical licensure across state lines, or if we're talking about reimbursing telehealth and should we do that, like that will be a travesty. And sadly, I think you, you might be right. It may take 10 years to get there. And and that is, that is a really sad part of healthcare. Uh, yeah. Because of the entrenched interests that are, are behind doing not, not doing it. So uh, yeah, I, I, it's interesting to think about all the regulations. I think the one that will evolve more than any other regulation than what we're talking about today is the we'll call it HIPAA slash privacy right. slash uh, you know consent for information. I have a feeling that's going to evolve in a really big way. And I loved it. I, I actually was a uh, uh, you know VMware did a session at at Hims with uh, with a couple of CIOs CXOs that were talking about the challenges that they face. And one of them said, "Well, the problem is the government says you need to share the data, and then the government says you should not share the data. You should keep it private." He's like, "What am I supposed to do?" Right? So <laughs> you know, the, the, that is the problem with many of the regulations, where it's like, "Hey, you need to share the data, but only do it in the right way, with the right structure, with the right person." This is, <laughs> like. And by the way, if you do it wrong, we're going to penalize you and we're going to make you suffer because you exposed data in a breach, you know, in a way that wasn't appropriate. And so that is a hard framework to to know. Wait, so should I be sharing or should I not be sharing? Right. And now, to be fair, some people use that as an excuse not to share when they should and they know they should. But I think we're going to see a huge evolution of that, and probably even you know we've talked about before some from the consumer side because the health devices are becoming so consumer oriented. I think that's going to force some changes in how we use data and where we share data in healthcare. 
Yeah, no, I think, you know, there, there's that certainly that data sharing element. I mean, we're talking about that today because it's still a problem and we were probably talking about it 10 years ago, right? So I, I, I like you, I also believe we're going to be talking about that. But but I also think there's there's other parts that are layering in, like, you know, we're, we're going to have to tackle at some point the ownership of this data, what it's being used for, right? Do we have uh, to? Well, yeah, <laughs> do we have to? <laughs> Uh, we should, right? <laughs> and 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 now, as we know, like some of the tools that are available now that mix data together from disparate sources, right? Like mixing in your your financial data that's available through through uh, you know uh, financial programs like Nexus Lexus Nexus, you know uh, SDOH information. All this information is suddenly going to be we need it, and we want to incorporate all this information into the care we receive, but. Once it's gathered, uh, then it becomes a potential target for the cyber attacks that we just spoke about in your topic there. So I think there's going to be a lot of that. And back to that, I, I do think actually there's going to be some regulations around forcing organizations to adopt certain security frameworks. You know, I, I do think that whether it's NIST framework or another one, I think governments are going to be like, hey, if you want our money, like if you want, if I'm giving you CMS dollars, you will then now have to show me that you have actually done the work to be secure and whatever that framework is. And, and to me, you know, they've already got a few, so it's just sort of pick one. And that's the one that you'll have to comply with in order to get those CMS dollars flowing back to you. It just, to me, it just sort of makes sense that that would, that would eventually arrive. Yeah, and it feels like you could do something similar with interoperability. Uh, I, I really think about uh, Paul Wilder. Uh, I talked with him at uh, at Hims, and uh, he, he had the phrase that said, "Just get connected already." Like, <laughs> you know, like, which is, you know is a classic Paul kind of phrase, but it, it's true. Like, there are options to share. And many people have just chosen not to. Uh, and I wonder if it's kind of a similar thing to the security discussion, where it's like. Are there going to be frameworks that says, hey, if you're connected and you're sharing, then you'll avoid these penalties or or whatever else might be, or even the liabilities of sharing because you're using the QHIN or whatever it ends up evolving to, uh, to be able to share that you know is done in a, a way that has a structure and format that you won't be liable for sharing through it because that structure is designed to ensure the privacy of for the patients. So that'll be interesting on the data sharing side. Lots of interesting topics. We've only, got, we've only even covered two, John. We haven't even covered <laughs> the other ones. But hey, if you're just tuning into this episode of Healthcare IT Today with John Lin and Colin Hung, we're discussing today the topics that we believe that 10 years from now we'll still be talking about. <laughs> <laughs> in healthcare. Uh, Said and, with disdain. I love yeah, it. <laughs> exactly. Now, we, we have avoided AI because we both agree that that one is definitely going to be still a topic we're going to be talking about. Perhaps we'll be ruled by AI by then. Maybe the AI it. will be talking about it. We won't. Yeah, it's true. We'll we'll put, we'll put in the prompts, and it will uh, we'll think the we'll think the prompts, and it'll answer for us. Uh, no, but uh, that is what we're talking about. And so far, John has brought up that you know the one of the topics we're going to be still chat chatting about is security, and I brought up the fact that we're definitely going to be complaining and lobbying for or against regulations <laughs> ten years from now. So, but John, what what other one have you got in terms of topics we're going to be still talking about ten years from now? Yeah, so this one uh, is really kind of painful uh, for any of us in healthcare, uh, and, and I describe it as perverse incentives, which okay. to me, it, it's it's I'm talking about all the people who are like, why is healthcare this way, mm. <laughs> and, and and all of these random things that you're like, this doesn't make sense, and you're like, you're right, it doesn't make sense, and let me tell you the history of why it happened. 
which still doesn't make sense, but at least you know the history of it. So, you know, I, I think 10 years from now, we're still going to be saying, why is the healthcare system so effed up, right? Like, why is it so screwed up? And why are there so many? And, and my, you know, the, my reasoning for that is that there are so many entrenched interests that are making so much. You know, I think we've talked about this before on the show as far as healthcare is often the number one employer in a city. And I right. actually think that's a bad thing. Like healthcare shouldn't be our number one employer, right? Uh, you know, like it's great that they're employing people and all that. But when healthcare is your number one employer, they actually have an out and a, a, a bigger voice with the senators, et cetera. Then it, you know, then they should, mm. you know, in, in many ways, because then the senators are like, well, we can't cut anything. And then the healthcare just chops in and, you know, just keeps growing its costs. We you know whether it's going to executives, whether it's going to pharma, whether it's going to whatever, right. Uh, you know, life sciences, et cetera. I mean, I think everyone is profiting from it. You know, I think everyone is complicit in it in healthcare to some degree. Uh, and so I think we're going to still have that same situation because, you know, as I like to say many times, I said, uh, you know, everyone says that the costs are, 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 are cannot go forward. We can't do that. But I haven't heard anyone say I want to be paid less. So, you know, until that happens, you know, I think we're stuck with it 10 years from now. <laughs> I, I agree. I think, you know, most regulations at their heart or maybe at the beginning have the good, the right intention normally, right? Uh, but the implementation causes all sorts of loopholes and unintended consequences. And I, I agree with you that I think 10 years from now, we'll still be talking about some of these unintended consequences. You know, when we, who knows what will happen when we get to a little bit more value-based care? Well, we all of a sudden have spawned a whole other industry that goes around value-based care, right? Because someone still wants to do fee-for-service or, or that doesn't quite fit into the value-based world. Uh, you know, those will be unintended consequences. And I think we'll still be we'll definitely still be dealing with them as we as we get into 10 years from now. We'll also be dealing with some of the consequences of perverse incentives of, you know, what happened with drug prices, right, mm -hmm. in healthcare, where people just swooped in and then treated it more like an arbitrage situation and just jacked up the prices because they could, right? Like that was nobody's intention, but we created a system where that was the incentive and that could happen, right? Because A, the supply of insulin is so restricted anyways, there's only certain number of players, blah, blah, blah. Like it's just, you know, so I, I agree. I think we're going to be talking about some of these weird loopholes, these little places that we, edge cases that we never really thought of that end up being uh, the system we have. <laughs> well, and I think with value-based care, it does change the model, right? But it's just who is going to be profiting from that model. You know, I saw something recently that said, Oh, payers actually love value-based care because it's shifting all the risk to the providers. So, you know, why is that a problem, right? The math, you know, for them, it's all just math, right? And so right. I think, you know, that they will continue to profit from it. You know, it's not going to change too many of the other things that way. So, yeah, I think that's a challenge. I actually think the only, you know, the real way to get, you know, improve some of this is to get employers out of uh, you know, health insurance, you know, that whole history of employer health and healthcare insurance is, is a problem. And, uh, you know, that would shift things in a big way. Uh, it, you know, and then I think the second thing is actually healthcare. More and more, I feel like healthcare should be a nonprofit and not the nonprofits that we have today that have billions in the bank. <laughs> I'm talking about like a, a really that their goal isn't to churn profits, because if your goal is to churn profits, that changes how you approach things, that changes how you, you deal with it. 
the problem is a nonprofit led by some an unscrupulous person isn't any better. So, you know, I, I don't think either is a really good solution and I don't see us moving there, but, you know, a nonprofit that truly was trying to do the best for patients would be the right thing. But how do you even do that at scale? I, don't, I just don't see it happening. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, you just, you can look around the world, right? At the various models, whether it's Canada, the NHS or in Singapore and Australia, there's lots of models you can choose from. Neither one works out really well, right? Like it, each has their problems, each has their, uh, their issues, but, but no, I agree with you. I think that, you know, it'll be fun yet, yet sad to, to look at 10 years from now and say, these were kind of the weird things that we caused for ourselves when we implemented this guideline or this regulation. And we, you know, who would have thought that we would have been here, right? Because of that yeah i mean just think how big your eye roll is going to be when that 19 year old startup guy comes to you 10 years from now and says why is healthcare this way and you just roll your eyes (laughs) (laughs) or or the other ways yeah i'm going to disrupt the way that payers get paid right it's like yeah yeah, good good luck with that (laughs) (laughs) yeah well and, and maybe someone will but so far you know healthcare has been more resilient than any other industry i've seen (laughs) yeah i definitely have to agree with that well, so for my final topic that I think we are going to be still talking about 10 years from now, unfortunately, is we're still going to be talking about improving the patient experience. Mm. Um, and, and you know, again, like, like off the top when we were talking about cybersecurity, I do think strides are being made. I do think it's improving. But I think at the same time, our expectations as patients and consumers is also changing and evolving and getting higher, right? Just because we're used to that now as consumers of other products, of hospitality, of cars, of of grocery shopping and, you know, Netflix and, and streaming services. So I think, you know, 10 years from now, our expectations will definitely be higher. And I think hospitals and organizations that are providing us care will still be a little bit behind and lagging behind in terms of meeting those demands and meeting those expectations. I also think that, unfortunately, we're still going to be talking about the whole caregiver situation in Mm. the U.S. and around the world where there's this unpaid mass healthcare system that it's, we're, we're putting a lot of burden on, right? It's your, it's your sons, it's daughters, it's, it's parents, you know, parents taking care of their children and not being able to work. It's that silent group of people. I still think we're going to be dealing with that challenge 10 years from now. So to me, it's patient experience. Yeah. And I think that's going to evolve as people don't have kids and, and different stuff, you know, that, that, that creates all sorts of new problems. Do you think, I mean, I would argue that the, the challenge with patient experience now is apathy, they, they haven't needed to change. And that's kind of changing. We've talked about this before. Do you think there will still be apathy from provider organizations when it comes to patient experiences 10, from, 10 years from now? Or, you know, and so that's why they just 10 years from now still haven't changed or, or how do you see that? Yeah. I, I think, unfortunately, you just look at, you just, I think you just have to look at history, right? When has patient experience ever been a priority for the healthcare system anywhere? around the world only right? in it, little house on the prairie when doc right. came to the house and actually cares about you you know that was the last time i saw it right but I, <laughs> now that's not to say people don't care i think right. that, that's not what we're saying i'm just saying that patient experience as a as a as a budget line item you know and as a priority for for executives i think it comes and goes and i just you just look at history and go there just hasn't been a sustained effort in this area ever and I don't see that happening over the next 10 years. I think we're making, like I said, I think we're making strides, but in, inevitably, I think people come back to, well, I'm here to make you better. I'm here to keep you healthy. 
And I'm sorry if that means I don't have valet parking, but you know, at the end, you're going to care more that I took the best care possible of you versus having all of these extra amenities. I think that's just in the mindset of people. And, mm -hmm. and we know patient experience isn't just that, right? It's, it's how you're treated with respect. Sure. It's, it's how you're not treated like a number, right? It, that's what we talk about when we talk about patient experience. But I think that's just the perception of it is still going to be, oh, like you're talking about valet parking, right? You're talking about having a TV in your room. And although that might happen, it's still not going to get to the core of, you know, is a, is the patient truly a partner in care? And I, I don't think we're going to get there 10 years from now. I still, I still think we're going to be talking about it. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually see it slightly different. I see it kind of more as a haves and have nots. Mm. I, I think there's some organizations that are going to see the tech companies and retail health and what they're doing and saying, we need to shore this up and we, and we have the cash. So let's do it. Let's, let's really evolve this experience for, for patients. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm fascinated by what Banner Aetna is doing. Some of the projects I've heard them talk about, you know, because they're the payer and the provider, right. they can solve some of the prior off stuff. They can solve some of the eligibility stuff, et cetera. Right. That, that is a hassle and a terrible patient experience. And, you know, so I'm interested to see what they do since they have the assets, they have the, the will, on both sides to be able to do it so uh, you know but they, then there's going to be other organizations whether it's the rural ones that don't have the same resources or even maybe a community hospital or, or even just a smaller hospital in a big city trying to compete who you know that the, they're just not going to have the resources to to be able to do some of those things and that you know they don't have to because they're maybe the only game in town and so you know that they're stuck with it um so i think that's the only thing that the only argument against that is are all of those going to be eaten up by the big boys? And <laughs> <laughs> it could be, it could be. But you know, I hope that in ten years from now we're still talking about companies like Same Sky Health, right? That's trying to really improve health equity. That we're still talking to our friends at Savvy Co-op and the differences that they're making. And and I think they are because the, those organizations are mission driven as opposed to necessarily profit driven. Uh, and and I just think you know they're still going to be around and they're st we're still going to be talking about this. But as like we said off the top, the technology will be better the 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 cost to implementing this will be lower so there's a there hopefully will be more uh, or less barriers to to addressing this but i just think unfortunately it's not going to be a high priority item just yet in 10 years but hey that's a uh, job security for us right john i was going to say that's actually a problem for us you know i mean <laughs> i mean i won't quite be there but you will you know be ready to retire and you'll need that caregiver and you'll need that patient experience <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Especially living up here in Canada. I definitely want my patient experience. <laughs> no, but I mean, it is like, it's a personal thing, right? To think about that, you know, 10 years from now, we're going to probably need a lot more healthcare services than we do today. And, uh, you know, that that's kind of a sad state of it, uh, you know, when you look at it and say, but, you know, I think we will see pockets, pockets of improvement, but I think you're right. Overall, we're not going to see this mass change of who they are. Yeah. And that's just a, that's a call to action for all the patient advocates listening to this. And you know who you are, Grace and, and everyone else out there, uh, you know, definitely keep, keep, keep doing your job. Well, I was going to say, it's a call to all the vendors to listen to the patients, right? Like how about Absolutely. we do that? How all the provider organizations spend more time with patients, uh, make that more of a priority. Hey, listen, thanks to all of you who tuned into this episode of Healthcare IT Today. You can find more details about our show by going to the programs page on healthcarenowradio.com. And please share your opinions and your voice with us with the community at healthcareittoday.com and on social media using the hashtag HITSM. 
I'm Colin Hung, along with my health IT collaborator, John Lin. Thanks for listening. See you next week.